I want to begin today, because it's the last message today um, in the series on confidence. Uh, you guys, anybody feel a little more confident? Please say yes, I mean, because if you don't, then I'll have to do the series again, I mean, but uh, we've been studying Life of David. Biggest question I'm going to ask you all, all morning is this, how many of you uh, brush your teeth with your garden rake? One, okay. Ushers, escort really not here, okay. No, but none of you do that, and I ask that facetiously because none of us will do that because a garden rake is not made for that, correct? And if you do use it for that, well, you're going to really need the dentist pretty quick. But I have a statement I want to put up on the screen there and go today's teaching, Know Thyself. And the statement is this, function follows form. Say that with me. Function follows form. Now, what do I mean by that? It means that my hand is formed as a what? It's not a trick question, okay? Let me back up, okay? My hand is formed as a what? Man, good, good. You guys are a little smarter on this side, but anyway. um, And because it is a hand, therefore, that's the way it's formed, and therefore, the function follows the way it's formed. You follow me so far? Therefore, it can manipulate, can pick up things, can do all kinds of stuff with my hand because that's the way it's formed. Did you know that you and I, all of us, are formed a certain way? And because we're formed certain ways, certain giftings and abilities, that our function uh, follows, should follow that. Which means this. If I really find out uh, how I'm gifted, how God has gifted me specifically, and I follow that, and I gain experience in that, and I get better in that, and I grow emotionally, then I could do some pretty, pretty cool things in life. Follow me so far? Now listen to me, young adult. By the way, young adults, you have your AV meeting tonight, I think at 6 o'clock. Join that if you've never been to the AV young adults group. You can find on on our program or wherever that's tonight. But if I'm a young adult in this room, But one of the one things that I would pursue uh, with everything I've got, I would try to figure out how God has gifted me. What am I good at in life? And then I would pursue that and I would get better at that, obviously through trial and error. I, I would do that. Because see, every one of us in this room, now this is everybody now, every one of us has a shape. Some of you are thinking, oh great, you have to bring that up, I'm working on it, Jim. But not that kind of shape, okay? S-H-A-P-E. The S stands for spiritual gifts. We all have them. The H stands for your heart or what you're passionate about. Have you ever noticed that you're passionate about some things and other people don't seem to be excited about that? Well, that's just true of life and that's just fact. It doesn't make anybody right or wrong. Everybody has their own passions. And then you have that A on shape. That's your abilities. It is a proven fact that the older we get in life, we have hundreds of abilities. And then the P stands for your personality. How many of you are extroverts? You just come alive in a crowd. Raise your hand. Come on, extroverts. You should raise your hand because you just want to be noticed. You're an extrovert. Because <laughs> you know extroverts. Extroverts, your favorite person is who's ever standing right in front of you, right? And then there are, how many of you are introverts? You, you're not, and how many will not raise your hand because you're an introvert? You know? <laughs> But you're different personality types. How many of you would never sit up here and speak like this in a microphone? That's just the last thing you'd ever do. Oh, now you raise your hand. Okay. 
Um, and so you know, it's just different strokes, different folks, different abilities, personalities. And then the E at the end of it stands for experiences. We all have lots of experiences, good ones, bad ones, hurtful ones, joyful ones. And how many know God never wastes a hurt in our life? That he will use it later on to minister to other people because we comfort in the way we've been comforted if in fact we are growing through those pains in life. Here's what I'm trying to tell you today. Um, If you asked me to paint a picture or to draw a picture of you, how many of you know by knowing me that that would be a disaster right there? I can't draw at all. I mean, I can draw stick people and anything beyond that, I, I can't do it. Uh, it's not my gift or my ability. Here's, here's, I think here's what I'm saying. It, it's why some of us in life are frustrated. We're frustrated in our job. We're frustrated in the direction because it just feels forced. It doesn't feel like us. And it's why others of us, we're not frustrated, we're really joyful. In fact, we love our job because it just flows by, from who we are, by our gifts and our abilities. And it's not even a job. You, you tell people, it's not a job, I love it too much. Some of us are living in a forced world because it's not us. Some of us are living in a flowing world because we have found what is us. I just want today to show you, try to tempt you, to challenge you to go down this road of figure out who you are. And it's through trial and error. You don't just wake up one day and say, well, that's who I am. No, it, you'll get there. Now, hold that thought because David knew who he was. And especially, it comes out in that battle in the valley Elah against Goliath. But let's read the two verses we read every week. They are foundational. And then let's make the statement from this. Here we go. Let's put that first verse up. John 1, 12. And let's read it all together. Here we go. The only ones I want you to read. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those believe in it so now the first foundation of we say this is identity I am someone if you're a follower of Christ you're a child of God if you're not you are still created in the image and likeness of God whether you believe that yet or not but that makes you someone and then Matthew 28 20 it says this would you read it all together with me it says teaching them to observe all that I commanded you and lo I am with you always even to the end of the age so that's the presence of God God is always with me as a believer so I have identity I am someone and I'm never alone that right there is foundational to confidence as a person as a follower of Christ from there let's make the statement I'm so sorry put the statement up there and that is this all together confidence is it's no accident it can be built it can be developed identity presence and then the first pillar was preparation David killed the lion and the bear. So now he's prepared for the day he's going to fight the giant, which he never knew he'd have to fight the giant. But he's been preparing for that day for years. And then from there we talk about passion. Pastor Charlie shared on passion that David comes to that front line. He hears that Philistine talk and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? In other words, he's riled up. He's passionate. How dare him insult God and God's armies? So he's going to go running at the guy. And then last week we talked about stretching. And we said, if you don't stretch, then you're going to be carried out on a, on a stretcher. That's right. 
Life is all about stretching. You cannot get stuck and you don't want to get comfortable in life spiritually, emotionally, relationally, biblically, serving wise, in the job, anywhere. You don't want to get stuck in life. David has to now step out from just killing lions and bears. Now the stretch is, I got to fight the giant. And there will always be giants to fight and God will always be preparing us if we allow ourselves to be prepared. But you got to stretch and you cannot stay in your comfort, control, zone and think this is enough. No, you got to take it all the way from the womb to the tomb, my friend, all the way to your last breath. You want to keep stretching. Any amens on that one? And I said last week, the older you get and I get, how many know you better stretch this body out, physically stretch it out, right? Or else you're going to get, well, you know what it's going to get. So with that said, let me, let me say this. David now is coming to this place where you're going to find out that he knows exactly who he is. Even when others try to gift project upon him and say, no, you're this way. He says, no, I am. This is who I am. So open your Bibles to 1 Samuel 17. And I'm going to read from verse 32 to 40 and then jump to verse 49 and then we're going to see two points in there and then drive this whole thing home trying to tie the whole series together verse 32 says and we've read some of these before every week we could jump into these things David said to Saul Saul's the king they're at the front line no one wants to fight let no man's heart fail on account of him in the giant your servant will go and fight with this Philistine I'll go fight him then Saul said to David here isn't this true of life? Uh, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. For you are but a youth. You're too young. Well, that guy, he's been a warrior from his youth. He's, he's, he's an experienced warrior. You don't even have to do it, buddy. Here's what David says. But David said to Saul, your servant, and that's what we all are. We are servants of other people. We're here to serve people. Jesus said the greatest among us is the, is it louder? Servant, you know. Was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. So one day, this animal came and took a lamb. I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. When he, this animal, rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Man, this kid's tough. He's only like 17. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. For those of you who are new to the Bible, the reason why he's calling him you uncircumcised Philistine is because circumcision for men in the Old Testament was the sign that you were a follower and a believer in Yahweh God. And he's saying, this guy isn't, and he's taunting God's armies. Verse 37. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. There you see identity, I'm God's child, and presence, God's with me. And Saul said to David, oh, okay, go. And may the Lord be with you. Then Saul, here's where there's the crux of today's message. And then Saul clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head and he clothed him with armor. So Saul's putting all his armor and stuff on David. David girded his sword, this is Saul's sword also, over the armor and he tried to walk. That says he did walk. He tried to walk. For he had not tested them, the armor and the sword, everything else and the helmet. So David said to King Saul, I cannot go with with these, for I have not tested them. And he took them off. Smart move by David. And he took his stick in his hand and chose for himself five, what kind of stones? Don't you forget that for later on. Smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had 
even in his pouch and his sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. He's got a sling in one hand, he's got a stick in the other. He's across a valley from the giant Goliath. Verse 49, watch the final result of the interaction. And David put his hand into his bag and took from it a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead and the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. And we know that David gets the guy's sword, chops off the guy's head and goes, let's pray. God, this is such a great story in history. Help us to glean from here this final chapter on confidence, Lord, because when we know who we are and we operate in our gifts, there's tremendous confidence in that because we just flow. It's not forced. It just flows. And so God... Help me to deliver this for the second time today. Help me to challenge myself and others. And I pray we get out of stuck mode because some of us may have been stuck for years now. And the longer we're stuck, the more we stay stuck. And so God, I just pray and ask God for your anointing, which is here already in Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, this one's for you. Now, here we go. Now, Number one in your notes, two points. First one is operate in your God-given strengths. Say that with me. Operate in your God-given strength. Now watch verse 40 again. He took his stick in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had even in his pouch, and his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Question, what's in David's hands? Sling and what else? And a staff and a stick. So he's got the sling and he's got the stick in his hand. That's the reason why he has these in his hands approaching this giant guy is because this is what David is good at. And David knows himself. There are things in this life that you are good at. There are things in this life that if you pursue knowing yourself, that you will find great satisfaction and success in that if you pursue it because you have been gifted by God to do certain things with certain gifts and abilities. Now, let me tell you how you find this out. This is not one day where I woke up and said, I'm a public speaker. That's not how it happened. It's a journey. And it's a journey uh, here and there, experimenting, trying this and that and the other thing. How many of you started one place in life, but you end up in a whole different place in life? Just from experience, you know that, okay. Yeah, because that's the way it works. Here's my evidence for that in the story. David, he goes and he fights Goliath with what? A sling and a what? Stick is what he's good at. Do you know that after this moment, after he kills Goliath, he will never, you never read that he uses the sling again. You will see that he uses a sword after that as a general. So you see where it's a journey where he's moving on, trying this, doing that, experimenting there to get to where he's supposed to be. And that's true in life. How many of you have started a business? Raise your hand. Okay. If you've started a business, you know how difficult it is and I'll bet you had to wear all kinds of hats for the first so many years. Am I right? And how many of those hats did you feel like, I'm not good at that at all? Join the club. I know what it feels like. Way back in the beginning of the church, I had to wear all kinds. How many don't know that I was the original band member of the church? You don't know that. You, this is news to you. 
Come on, man. I was original. I played guitar. I've been playing guitar since 1979. Now, if you ask the band members, the musicians, if I play guitar, they'd say, no, Jimmy, you really don't play guitar. <laughs> Just being honest. If that's what they would do. No, you really, really don't. Um, you think you do, but you really don't. And when I led the band, I would be the singer up there, and if I asked the singers up there, can, I can sing, they go, no, Jim, you really, really can't sing. <laughs> Jim, you need to go watch American Idol again, all those people, that t- their mama said they can sing, and they really can't. <laughs> you, know, you need to go do that, okay. See, and so finally, in your business, like in what I do, I had to finally, as things grew, and I could put other people in positions, then I finally settle in on two or three things that I'm just really good at. It doesn't mean that I can't do other things and I don't do other things in the church, serve here and there, but I have to stick most of my time and energy into the two or three things that I'm really, really good at. Am I right on that one, people? And that's what you've got to do if you're going to be very, um, number one, successful and fulfill the, with, with, the, with the company or the business or the church or the job or whatever it needs. It's where you're best at, where you have your greatest... Um, Input. I can't remember, think of the word I'm using, trying to find right now. But let me put it to you this way. How many of you are, are Los Angeles Dodger fans? Okay, Los Angeles Dodger fans. Who is your favorite Dodger pitcher? Okay, same problem in first service as in second service. Okay. I, I needed to say, who's your favorite current Dodger pitcher? Uh, first, uh, Koufax, Hershiser, one they're yelling, Fernando Valenzuela. They're... I go, what, you know, what decade are we in here? Who is your current favorite Dodger pitcher? Kershaw. Okay, how many wins did he have last year? First service Dodger fans had no idea. So I questioned their fanonymity. How many wins did he have last year, Dodger fans? You guessing? Oh, you're guessing. Google, yeah, Google, yeah. Let's say 18. What was his batting average? You don't even care. You don't even care what his batting average is because that's not where he makes his greatest contribution to the team, is it? His greatest contribution is pitching. See, baseball teams are smarter than us many times. They know that guy's great at fielding, good range, shortstop. That guy can cover ground, track a ball down on on fly, center field. They get that. But in our life, sometimes we don't get that, that we are gifted specifically for certain things. See, Clayton Kershaw, his greatest contribution to the team is pitching. Let him pitch. But don't think he's going to go up there and lead the team in batting average or the league in home runs. Do what you're best at, and other things you'll do here and there, but do what you're best at. Operate in your God-given strengths, and you will see some success in life. But the second thing goes along with that one, and that's this, be you. Don't be someone else, just be you. Now watch this. Verse 38 and 39 says this. I'm going to ask a question after these two verses, so pay attention. Then Saul clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head and he clothed him with armor. David girded his sword over his armor and tried to walk for he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. The word test means to try, to prove. He said, I'm not, I've never, I don't have any experience in this stuff. I can't use it. I have not tested them. And David took them off. So Saul throws all the stuff on him, all his armor, and, and, and David said, no, no, uh, what's King Saul trying to do? Who's King, who is King Saul trying to make David into? 
himself. Here, wear my armor. Why is that a problem? Let me tell you the first reason is, how tall is King Saul? He's a head above everyone else in all of Israel. So I always like to say he's about 6, 10, 7 feet maybe. Big guy. David, 17-year-old, had a problem last night, you know. He's not grown up. He's, you know, he can't wear all this big armor. It's not, it's not going to work like that. But watch even more. Watch the next thing that happens. Back up in the story. Why? This is now talking about Goliath. Goliath had a bronze helmet on his head. And he was clothed with scale armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. Besides trying to, King Saul trying to make David into him, who else is King Saul trying to make David into? Goliath. Because he puts a bronze helmet on David, bronze helmet on Goliath. He's trying to make him into that. That's called gift projection. We do it all the time with our children, don't we? We want them to be like us. We want them to be certain, right? But they have to be themselves. Am I right? And if you haven't found that out yet, you probably have a lot of fights at home as they get older you know it's weird it's not weird it's true you know Moses way back in Exodus he's, he grows up 40 years as this prince of Egypt and one day goes out there he's Hebrew when he goes out there he sees an Egyptian beating up on a Hebrew he looks this way he looks that way and then he goes and he kills the Egyptian of course everything falls apart after that but I want you to think about what happened the moment he decided to kill the Egyptian he decided in that moment I need to be who I really am. I'm not Egyptian. I'm born Hebrew. And even Acts chapter 7, New Testament says that he supposed that he was the deliverer. I got to be myself. I got to be who I am. I have a big question for you. If David would have worn that armor that he can't even walk in and hasn't tested and he went to fight Goliath how long would the fight have lasted? Seconds. If we had got to verse 48, and then the chapter would have ended. David ran at Goliath and died. And that'd be it. There'd be no rest of this book. There'd be nothing. He died because he operated in someone else's gift. Let me just tell you something about life. Some of us are dying in this room because we haven't figured out who we are yet trying to be somebody else it's a society problem it's frustrating I just this is not who I'm supposed to be and I'm dying inside it really depends on you how bad you want it some of you might have to say I'm going to go back to school because this is not what I'm supposed to be some of you might have to shift job I, I don't know but some of you got to figure out what, what is it? And that's what I'm trying to challenge you. What, what is that thing? And you got to be you. You can't be someone else. Here's the statement I want to throw at you. Being you means you will do it differently with? Success. Now here's a funny one. This is in the Bible. This is hilarious. Nehemiah. Watch how he tries to get the people to repent. It says, Nehemiah speaking. It says, So I contended with them and cursed them and struck some of them and pulled out their hair and made them swear by God, you shall not give your daughters to their sons nor take of your daughters for your sons or for yourself. So he gets them to repent by what? Pulling out whose hair? Their hair. Some of you in this room, he couldn't get you to repent, huh? You didn't even get that, did you? Okay. It's a rough crowd this morning. But anyway... Now watch what Ezra does to get people to repent. 
Here's Ezra now. Ezra says, When I heard about this matter, I tore my garment and my robe and pulled some of the hair from my head out and my beard and sat down to Paul. One, Nehemiah, pulls their hair out. Ezra pulls his own hair out. And in both cases, they get the people to repent. Who's right? Who's wrong? They're both right. They're both right. We all do it differently. Don't we? And you got to do it the way you do it. Okay, let me, let me, let me, I'm going to come down there now. Let me, let me share this with you. So, um, you, you know, remember about, uh, we're in April, yeah, two months ago, remember when my son Nathan spoke, remember that? Okay. So he was really struggling with putting that message together, and he used to speak a lot, but he hadn't spoken for a long time regularly. And he says, man, I, I'm just struggling. It was weeks. He's struggling to put that thing together. I said, okay, Nathan, then let me help. Let me give you my template just for now. Work the template. You could put all the guts in, this and that. So we sat down for a couple hours, worked my template. He picked the chapter, verses, and worked it out. He says, okay, now I can take that and I'll add all the guts, all the illustration, all the... Okay, great. Three days later, he comes back. I said, so how, how's it working out? He says, oh, I remembered how I do it. I didn't need your help after all. Wasted two hours of my life, man. <laughs> but here's, here's what he's always told me. He goes, Dad, I can't do it your way. I got to do it the way I do it. And that's true of everyone. You got to do it the way you do it. Because that's where you're going to find success at. Be yourself. In the beginning, you might copy this, you might copy that, but eventually you're going to realize how you operate and how you do certain things. Now let me tie the whole series together. Can I try it? But you got to pay attention. I'm going to put all the pillars together, the foundation. I'm going to put everything together now. So David is going to fight Goliath now. Takes off the armor. He goes up to the brook and he pulls out what? Five what? Smooth stones. Okay. Now David is a picture of someone in the future. Someone called the son of David is the title for Jesus Christ. So David is a picture of Jesus. David goes to the brook. There's an enemy on the other side. Figuratively speaking, that'd be like Satan. David pulls out five, what kind of stones? You got that one, huh? He gets five because Goliath has four relatives. There's five giants on the other side of that valley. So he says, if I want to take one down, might as well take them all down. You know, I like a person who's got purpose and intention in their life. But think about that. The stones are what? They're smooth. They are smooth because in that water, as the water rushes over, they rub against each other. See, those stones have been prepared. He needs smooth stones. And in our life, preparation is important because God needs to rub off all the rough edges of our life, doesn't He? Deal with all the emotional baggage of the past, doesn't He? Work our relational issues out, doesn't He? Some of us have anger, unforgiveness, bitterness. You can have all the gifting in the world, but if you don't deal with that, you ain't going nowhere. And so they're rubbing against each other. No one grows alone. Loners don't grow. See, too many Christians are like, I don't need to be around people. I don't need to be in a group. Come in, get the message and out. Loners don't grow. They get a lot of information, but they don't grow. So they're rubbing against each other, and now they're smooth. So it's preparation. And then you realize, as you look at the story, that David takes the stone out of the water. That's called stretching, is it not? You're not going to stay in the water anymore, stone. 
you're going to come with me now. And God stretches you. Once you're smoothed out and up, he pulls you out of a situation and steps you in the next phase. And you may not like it, and it may be scary, and I know what it feels like, but now he's got you. Now, he puts him in that sling, and he's rushing, and he heaves that rock right at Goliath with speed, with force. That's passion. When you are rushing, you're moving, you're active, you're on fire, you're doing it. I'm not going to wait for somebody. I'm not going to watch everybody sitting back and doing nothing. I'm here, I'm flying now, my friends. And then now, that stone, all of a sudden, hits Goliath in the head, and Goliath goes down. Let's say that stone that hit him in the head falls off Goliath's forehead onto the ground. Now, that stone, if it had a brain, it was probably thinking to himself, oh my gosh, this is what I was created for. I'm a giant killer. I just killed Goliath. Question, in that story, who are those five stones representative? It's not a true question. It's you and it's me. You see, the star of the story is not David and not Goliath. The star of the story is that stone. That stone that nailed Goliath in the head. Now, who pulled that stone out of that river? David, picture of Jesus. He's in the master's hand now. That's identity. I am someone. That's presence. God is with me. And I've got all the preparation. And I've got the passion. And I'm being stretched. And I know who I am. And bang, that's what I was created for. And that devil goes down. Does that make sense to anybody right now? And when you start operating, you get, it's okay, you can give the Lord a clap offering. Not myself, but the Lord gave me those, these ideas. But when you put all that together, that's confidence. And you'll walk in any situation. But you'll never get the confidence sitting on your rear end doing nothing right David comes to the front line this, this insight came to me the other day I was like thank you Lord David goes to the front line what was he bringing to the front line just to go there what was he bringing food. just food to give to who his brothers were his brothers fighting no they were supposed to fight but no they just come to church get a message and they leave oh did I hurt anybody's feelings because I wanted to See, they're just consumers just give me the food but I'm not going to go fight David comes to the front line and says oh uh uh Oh, no, I'm going to kill you. I'm coming to contribute. I'm not coming to consume. I'm coming to contribute. I'm going to do something about this. Uh, uh, uh. Let me tell you, here's how it works, guys. You want to get out of frustration? You want to experience life? You got to step up. Well, here's, here's a verse. Watch this right here. I love this verse. Proverbs 18, 16 says this. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Leave it on the screen. Because this is when a person brings her gift in that day. And that gift is for the king or an important person. And it opens the door for them to come in and be, have an audience with the king or this great person. Now, let's put it in our lives. A man's gift. We're all gifted. When you operate in it, when you get experience in it, when you grow emotionally in it, and you go relationally in it, and you start putting all the pieces together, that gift makes room. Ah, it means to expand. Hebrew word to expand. It expands. The door's open because I'm operating in my gift as years go by. And then it brings him. Brings him means to transport. It transports me somewhere. Where? Door opens. I transport to where? Before great men. People of high position that say, that guy's got it. That gal's got it. Move them up to this position because, man, they're operating. Does that make sense? And there's where you lose frustration in life. And there's where you see God use you for the most you could ever be used. Watch this. 1 Peter 4.10, not in your notes. I added it later. It says, read it with me. As each one has, you see they what? Who is they? Who is each one? It's you follower of Christ. A special gift? Employ it. Use it in serving 
one another as good stewards of the manifold what? Grace. God has graced us with gifts and abilities to be able to use these things. Are our gifts for us? It's for others. Use your gift to serve others. That's like, I love that scene in The Wizard of Oz. Hey, we'll get, get, get grabbing those apples. We'll get, we'll get those apples. Remember where the my apple trees? Maybe it was a bad, bad kind of acting job. Guys, do, do fruit trees grow fruit for themselves? Neither do Christians. Neither do Christians. We have gifts and abilities, and we grow the fruit for others. Look, uh, uh, it's, do you guys think I like teaching? You guys think I like speaking? You better believe I like it. And I, and I put hours and hours and hours into this stuff, and I think about it and think about it, because my gift that I have here, it, it's not... It's not for me. It's for you. That's why I put the teachings on Facebook in there. That's why I do the Life of David teaching. That's why I teach on Sunday mornings. That's why I do the four, every Wednesday, four o'clock verse. It's not for me. It's for you. My gift has never been for me. And your gifts are not for you. They're for everyone else. But if you stay in the river and you never grow and you just keep isolating yourself, you never, you're not going to stretch. You could be taken out on a stretcher. I don't want to end my life at the very end and say, well, the last 20 years I just coasted. I don't want to coast. I mean, the world is dying out there and all I want is my agenda. When I came to Christ, I died August 12, 79 and I'm supposed to live for him. I'm in his hand. Direct me where to go and shoot me because I'm going to go kill some giants. Anybody amen on that one right there? That's what you're supposed to do. But you're never going to do it saying, oh, I just got to get a message and get out of here, man. Not going to happen. And you could sit there and have all the gifts in the world, but if you have, un, you have bitterness and unforgiveness and you don't deal with your emotional issues and blame everybody else, you'll stay in that river. You'll stay in that river. And you blame the whole world. Go ahead, have at it. Blame the whole world. Teach your kids to do the same thing. Or else you get around people and start rubbing rocks together here. And yeah, you're going to be tempted to say, I'm out of that group because I don't like this and that. Really? Well, maybe they don't like this about you. Have you ever thought that? I'm amazed at the immaturity of people. Want to quit everything. And they wonder why they don't go anywhere. Always quitting or never starting. Nah. Know yourself. Operate in the gift. Jesus is dying on the cross. A thief here and a thief there. One repents, one doesn't. I could never figure out why the one guy wouldn't repent. What does he have to lose? What does he have to lose? But they're thieves. They're thieves. If I don't use my gifts for God in the church and outside the church, I'm a thief on the cross. I'm stealing God's gift that he put in me if I choose not to use it. I'm a thief. I don't want to be a thief. I want to be in the master's hand. I want to be that rock. Just point me. Just point me. I'll gladly be expended for the kingdom of God. Gladly. Look, I love you all, but if you want to stay stuck, you're going to stay stuck. But if you want to find out what it's all about, you start doing something. Get involved. You serve, jump in group, whatever. I don't care. What something. And keep doing it. Keep doing it. Watch it grow. Stand up with me. Series over. We're done.